introduce myself, but my name is Doug Payne. If you're new here, I don't think I see any of you guys, but if you are new, I'd love to get to know you afterwards. I'll be around the door uh, or in the back somewhere, um, and I'd love to get to know you. But t- today we have a guest speaker, uh, Bonding Kawamoto. You can come on up, brother. Um, just a rousing applause. Yay for Bonding. <laughs> uh, we're very thankful. I met Bonding back in 2015 when my family moved from South Carolina to uh, Portland to do the residency. And uh, Bonding had just uh, finished a year of seminary, and uh, he was doing seminary and working with youth there at Henson Baptist Church. And um, so I just remember uh, not knowing a lot about Bonding, but remembering that he was just giving his life to the ministry. And then a couple years later, Bonding did the same residency I did, and he just finished up a two-year program, uh, the Chicago preaching program uh, in Chicago, obviously, <laughs> with Simeon Trust. And now he's back in Portland. He's planted at Selwood Church there in Portland. And uh, um, I'm very thankful to have him preaching for us this morning. So we'll be in First Thessalonians, and uh, we'll be grateful for him as well. So thank you, Bob. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. This is a church that I've prayed for often. So it's a real joy to gather with you and a great privilege uh, to open up God's word before you. I've been asked to preach a sermon titled, Encourage One Another, as you guys go through uh, the one another commands in scripture. And I wonder whether you're hearing that now, or maybe you knew the sermon title ahead of time. I wonder if that doesn't sound a little bit broad, right? Encourage one another. Like many words in English, we use the word encourage in a number of different ways, don't we? You know, we, in, we encourage people to do various things. We feel encouragement. Like, what does that even mean? So I bet you come this morning either with some questions or, as I'm kind of bringing this up and maybe asking a few questions, you might end up with a few more questions. What does encouragement mean? What does it look like to encourage one another in the church? I mean, we have to ask, like, what are we supposed to encourage one another with, right? Do we encourage one another with, like, scripture, with spiritual growth, just with, like, compliments? You know, like, John, you're such a great musician. Do you feel encouraged now? That type of thing. And then we have to ask, like, Why should we encourage one another? Like, what's the purpose of encouragement? Is it just to be kind of nice? Is it like a Christian thing to do? Are we just supposed to make other people feel good about themselves? Can't they do that themselves? Maybe the question that's most broad is, how do we encourage people, right? I mean, there's got to be a million different ways we can encourage people. But is, is there like some sort of right words to say that really like, drives home encouragement if we just say, you know, this verse or something. There's many questions when it comes to this idea of encouragement. It's a very broad topic. And so in order to break up our time, I want us to consider these three questions. The what, the why, and the how of encouragement. First, we need to know what we have to encourage us. So my first point is the source of encouragement. Then, I want us to think about why we encourage, the purpose of encouragement. Finally, how we encourage people, the practice 
of encouragement. So three points this morning, the source, the purpose, and the practice of encouragement. And really, by the end of my time up here, I hope that we all have a greater vision for what it looks like to encourage one another inside the local church. So it sounded like there's not, you know, new people here this morning, but let me just say, just in case, this is more of a topical sermon. So we're going to be jumping around to a few different uh, parts of the Bible, looking at a few different passages. And uh, so you'll be helped to just leave your Bible open um, as we'll be jumping around. But let me just say that up front so that there's no confusion. I'm not going to really exegete any passages. We're not going to like go through one passage in depth. We're kind of going to jump around and really just think about what's the New Testament say about encouragement? What, What do the writers of the New Testament say about what encouraging one another looks like? So, Let's begin by considering that first point, the source of encouragement. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I'm actually just going to read some verses. You can listen while you turn there. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Paul writes, Therefore, encourage one another. And build each other up as you are already doing. And so I know you're distracted, you're turning, but hopefully you heard those. I wonder if you noticed how similar they were, right? They start with that same phrase, therefore, encourage one another. Clearly in Paul's mind, encouragement is important within the church. But I think we have to ask an important question. And if you've spent any amount of time in a church context, then I bet you're familiar with the phrase, what's the therefore, therefore. This is the first of many cliches I'm going to use this morning. So buckle up. What's the therefore, therefore? We have to ask that question, right? What's it doing there? What is this encouragement in reference to? So hopefully by now you've made your way First Thessalonians 4. And if you have, you'll notice verse 18, it comes at the end of the chapter. So at the end of this section here, and we won't read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell you, you can trust me uh, on what this section is about. That's a dangerous game, I guess. You can read it on your own time to make sure to confirm that I'm not making things up. But uh, what's this section from verses 13 to 18 about? It's about Jesus' second coming. Paul wants the church at Thessalonica to have a right doctrine of Jesus returning. And so Paul teaches that the dead will be raised, the living will be caught up with Christ on the last day. All Christians will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another. Paul continues in chapter 5. You can kind of take a look at this. Once again, Verse 11 is at the end of a section. What's this section about? Well, Paul, he's continuing on this theme of Jesus' return, but here he actually sets up a contrast. There's two sorts of people in the world. There's those who are asleep, and there's those who are awake. And he's using this figuratively, of course, but he's talking about people who aren't Christians. They're asleep to the reality of Jesus. And then on the other hand, there's those who are awake. Their eyes are open to the reality of Jesus. And he says that those who are awake will be saved. He says that 
Kind of around verse 8. Why do they say the Son? According to verse 9, we're saved from God's wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. The similarities run much deeper than just the same phrase, don't they? In both cases, the encouragement that Paul is kind of telling the church to perform is tied to Jesus' return. And so we see that the source of Christian encouragement is the message of the gospel. It's the hope of salvation through Jesus. And let me just pause real fast to be clear about what I mean by gospel. Because I think we use that word just like we use encourage in a number of different ways. Sometimes we use gospel in a number of different ways. When I say gospel, I just simply mean the message of hope and good news that the Bible preaches. That all mankind has sinned. That all of us have done wrong. And we stand under God's wrath. But in God's mercy, he sent his son Jesus to die as a sacrifice, as a payment for our sin. That we now, if we believe in what Jesus did, that he died and rose again, we can be saved from this wrath. That we are no longer appointed to wrath, but rather to obtain salvation. And for those of us that believe in that message, we now look forward to Jesus' return and to life with God. That's the message of the gospel in short. But it's a really multifaceted message, isn't it? Like, There are many gospel truths. There are many ways that the gospel benefits believers. So, of course, we're forgiven of our sins. But then we're given relationship with God. We're given the Holy Spirit. And then we're brought into the church. We're brought into community with other people. And then we have a future hope of life with God. There's all of these different ways. There's all of these different benefits of the gospel on our lives. And it's so interesting here that Paul's focus when it comes to encouragement, is Jesus' return. So we're not just simply called to encourage with the gospel, like, in general, right? As just this vague idea. Be encouraged by the gospel, friend. No. There's a specific encouragement here. Not just, be encouraged, you're growing as a Christian. Be encouraged, you're a part of a church now. In Paul's mind, this encouragement stems from the source of our hope in Jesus' return. That's profound. You know, it doesn't negate those other encouragements. It doesn't, you know, mean other things, other parts of the gospel are meaningless. But it highlights this particular hope that we have in the future and in what our future as Christians looks like. Encouragement by definition, it's the giving of hope or the giving of confidence to someone else. And many of, the, many of the aspects of the gospel, they do this. They give us hope and they give us confidence. But is not that future hope of life with God perhaps our greatest hope and our greatest confidence as believers? You know, it might not be the most important be the most encouraging. Why do I say that? 
because if all the gospel did for us was forgive our sins, but then we don't get God, we don't get life with God, we don't get God's presence, then in one sense that's okay, but the whole message of the Bible is about how we can get back to being with God. The Bible itself says just forgiveness isn't enough. We want to look forward to life with God. Forgiveness is great, but if all we have is forgiveness of sins, then that's like getting the adoption papers for your child, but not getting your child. It's not about the papers. It's about the relationship. And so, too, it's like that with God. Our greatest hope is that end life with God. And that's our greatest encouragement. And that's what we see Paul doing here. Try and encourage one another with that hope. Not just that Jesus saves, but that Jesus saves so that we can live with God. This is the hope that, that gives us the strength to continue on when trials come in this life. This is the kind of hope that encourages us when we lose our job, when we lose a relationship. This is the kind of hope that gets us through when the diagnosis comes back and there's still cancer. This is the kind of hope that gets us through when we lose friends, when we're reviled for our faith. It's the kind of hope that gets people through when they're persecuted like so many of our brothers and sisters are around the world. Looking to that day when Jesus comes back and we get to be with him. That is the source of Christian encouragement. You might be here this morning and you might think, you know, that sounds okay, but that kind of just sounds like a placebo pill Christians take to make themselves feel better. But I wonder, friends, what are you hoping in in the future? What's your future hope? Maybe you're here this morning and and you kind of have a, a future hope of retirement. Well, that'll be great. Once I retire, I can just kick back, enjoy life. Well, friends, your retirement funds aren't secure, ultimately. And even if you have retirement funds, your health isn't secure. Because just like that, health deteriorates. And maybe you're here this morning, your hope is in just this kind of ethereal sense of a better future, a better tomorrow. Things will be better one day. I just know it. But once again, is that any different than someone just a Christian being like, hey, I have this hope in the gospel. The difference is for the Christian, we have God's word, God's promise. And and so I don't know what you think about God. I don't know what you think about the Bible this morning. But if God is real and his word is true, and I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that those things are true, God promises a better life. And that's at the very least something for you to maybe seek out further, to talk to someone here and hear more about, because this is a lasting and secure and steadfast hope that you too can have.
source of Christian encouragement is the gospel, specifically that facet of the gospel of life with God one day. That leads to my second point, though. The purpose of encouragement is, is Christian encouragement, is it just about making ourselves feel better? Is it just about getting us through the tough times? Or is there something more? Second point, the purpose of encouragement. And as you might expect, as I was preparing for this sermon, I pretty much looked at every instance the word encourage is used in the New Testament. Because I wanted to see how, how are these New Testament writers, how are they using the word encouragement? And they use it in a number of different ways. But one thing that I noticed was really interesting. Let me just read a few examples. You don't have to turn here. Um, I would, though, turn to Hebrews 3. And then as you're turning there, listen as I read. Acts 11:23. When he, Barnabas, arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. Colossians 2, 2. I want their, the Christians in the area, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. Titus 2.6, in the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I wonder if you noticed some common themes there. So often in the New Testament, encouragement, it's not kind of this generic command but it's used as either kind of an imperative, a command with the purpose of people growing in their Christian walk. So in Acts, Barnabas, he encourages Christians to remain steadfast in their faith. In Colossians, Paul wants Christians to be encouraged so that, or for the purpose, that their knowledge of God would grow. In Hebrews, encouragement, it's done to protect others from sin so that they would Stay on that path of following God. So the purpose of encouragement then, it's not just to help ourselves, you know, through trials. It's not just to give us hope and confidence. It's actually to produce in others holy lives. The purpose of encouragement is to keep Christians going to keep them on the path of following God even as they are being bombarded by discouragement. Why do we do this? I think this passage in Hebrews is is so helpful because it points us back to the source of encouragement. It points us back to that future hope of the gospel. Hebrews 3.13, it said, encourage each other today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Why? Verse 14 For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. Encourage one another to live steadfast because we have this future hope. Hebrews 10 wasn't much different. You can turn there if if you'd like. Hebrews 10, 25. 
or 24 and 25, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. Why? All the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another to live this way, to gather with one another, because Jesus is coming back, because that day is approaching. Why does this matter? Why does this little nuance of encouragement matter? Why does it matter that the purpose of Christian encouragement is to promote steadfast and holy living? I think quite simply, because the Christian life is really hard. It's really difficult. Let's just be real, right? It's not that easy to be a Christian. And we fall into a pattern of sin and we're destroyed. We have friends that seem to be following Jesus and then they just leave the church and we're destroyed. Disunity rises up in our churches and we're destroyed. And if that wasn't enough, we have these nagging voices telling us, eating away at us, oh, it would just be easier if you just didn't do that. You can have your Sunday mornings free if you didn't go to church. Why are you going to church? Life would be a lot easier if you weren't following Jesus. It's that nagging voice. And then, on top of that, we're fighting temptation constantly. The Christian life is hard. The Christian life, sometimes it can be discouraging. And so we need hope. We need confidence. We need encouragement. And sometimes we just need all of those things just to keep going, to keep living well, to keep honoring and glorifying Jesus. The purpose of encouragement, it's not just this, you know, Tylenol we kind of take to make ourselves feel better. No, sometimes it's, it's rails, it's train rails keeping us on the path of righteousness, keeping on that path following Jesus till he returns. What a profound effect, then, that encouragement can have on others. I think that's all the more reason to keep encouraging one another, right? Oh, my gosh, what a difference it can make. If encouragement, it's not just making your buddy feel better, but it might actually be helping them with their sanctification. It might be helping them follow Jesus. That raises a final question. How do we encourage others? What does encouragement look like? It's my third point, the practice of encouragement. I want us to think about two different ways we can practice encouragement. And hopefully there will be some, some things to, for each of you to kind of hold on to as applications to take away. First of all, our Sunday morning services should be sources of encouragement for all of us. And I don't just mean that like the worship team or the preacher or the church leadership, I don't mean like their job is to encourage you. But I mean actually Sunday morning, we all should be encouraging one another. And so I wonder, I wonder when you think about the Sunday morning service, do you think about it as something you kind of participate in as an individual? Or do you think about it as something that we all participate in together? Do you think about the scripture reading, the prayers, listening to the sermons? Is that something you do, 
Or is that something you all do? You know, all too often I think Christians, we can tend to kind of just be really individualistic. We can tend to be consumers. We show up to church kind of asking, what can I get out of this? But even even sometimes maybe we don't have that attitude. Maybe we show up to, to church, we're ready to serve. And I think if you're anything like me, I can still show up and kind of think, okay, some of these things we're doing on Sunday morning, some of this is like us. You know, we're all singing together. That's great. Some of it is kind of just me. Some of it's I'm going to do this. I'm going to kind of listen to the sermon and ask, uh, what did that say to me? I'm going to listen to someone praying and kind of think, oh, how did that impact me? Oh, I need to remember to pray for that. And I kind of forget about everybody else in the room. Like, I'm just going to shut my eyes, forget all of you. It's me and God. All right, let's do this thing, right? And, and even if I have the best of intentions on Sunday morning about coming, serving, giving, I still can tend to have that individualistic side of me kind of pop out. But consider how a more corporate vision for Sunday morning Consider how it shapes our attitudes. Consider actually how it shapes how we approach it as individuals. Consider how actually we're able to encourage one another when we think about Sunday mornings like that. Well, what do I mean? Okay, so take prayer. It's so easy, well, okay, maybe for me, maybe you're not like me, but it's so easy for me when someone's praying and I'm not to get distracted. Kind of tune it out a little bit. Some, you know, suddenly I'm like remembering something. You know, and I think this is because so often I'm not thinking about myself as participating in that prayer. But if all of us are praying together, being led by someone, that actually shapes how I interact with that prayer. And there's little ways that have helped me do this. Kind of saying amen to myself or just like agreeing with it as the person's praying. That's like a way that that's helped me just be engaged with the prayer. Someone says, oh, yeah, amen, like that's true. And then I'm, I'm, I'm engaging with the prayer. You know, that's like such a little thing. I think so many of these ideas of how we kind of think about the corporate gathering together are little things. But if I'm thinking about all of us praying, then I'm more engaged. The prayer's encouraging me more. And then I'm just better suited. I'm in a better mindset to encourage others more. The sermon, it becomes not just a message for me. It's a message for the whole church. And so suddenly, rather than just kind of going home thinking about the sermon myself, I'm asking other people, hey, how did the sermon speak to you? How were you engaging with God's word this morning? And suddenly that's hopefully an encouragement, not just to me, but to others as well. If we're worshiping and gathering together, it encourages me to arrive on time. I'm like the worst at this. I constantly show up late to church. But if we're gathering all together, then a little way I can practice that is just like showing up on time. You know, this is actually how Paul kind of writes about singing in Ephesians and Colossians, this corporate idea, just, you know, being present on Sunday mornings being a way to actually be an encouragement and admonish and exhort other believers. Paul in Ephesians 5, 19, 
In Colossians 3.16, he says similar things about our corporate singing. He says that when we sing, it's not just me kind of singing praise to God. It is that, to be sure, but it's not just that. It's also me singing to you, Ephesians 5. And then when we're singing, it's also me teaching you and you teaching me as we sing, Colossians 3. This is a radically different perspective, I think, than a lot of American churches have. We kind of shut the lights off. It's me and Jesus time. Forget all these jokers over here. Like, I don't want to see them. But according to Paul in Ephesians and Colossians, when we sing, we're singing not just to God. We're singing to one another. We're encouraging one another. We're admonishing and teaching one another. So what a privilege it is then to gather. It's not like a a trip to the gym. I don't know, maybe some of you go to the gym, right? At the gym, there's a bunch of individuals and they're all kind of doing their own thing in the same room. It's not what church is like. Church is like spin class. We're all doing the same thing together, maybe led by an instructor or led by someone, but we're all doing the same thing. We're encouraging one another. We're building one another up. We're all on the same path. That is what church is like. That's what Paul, that's how Paul talks about church. How do you practice Christian encouragement then? Show up to church. You show up ready to engage in the service together as an encouragement to one another. We do that in many ways, through song, through sermon reflection, through praying together, through the Lord's Supper, which we'll take in a moment. When baptisms happen, we're encouraged by hearing someone's testimony. All of those things. Encouragement, though, it doesn't just affect our time on Sunday morning. It should affect us all throughout the week, right? And we should be encouraging one another all throughout the week. We should be doing this in our discipleship relationships and our friendships. Once again, though, what does this look like? There are probably a million different ways we could encourage one another. But for starters, though, in order to encourage someone else, you need to have someone else. And so let me just encourage you, like, if you don't have relationships in this church, if you don't have kind of friendship and discipleship relationships with people you're meeting up with, the first step for you is to just build those relationships. And I'll be honest, that's not easy. So hopefully, you know, you have those. If you don't, though, work hard at engaging with other people. Like Doug said, I just moved back from Chicago. So two years ago, I moved out there, new church. I had to build relationships. Then I moved back here. I'm at another new church. And I'll be honest with you. In one sense, I'm not looking forward to, like, building new relationships. Because it's hard. It's work. I just did that. Like, I feel like I just did it. Now I have to all over again. And then it can be sad sometimes. People leave, you work hard at building friendships, and then, you know, people move and things like that. But let me just encourage you, as a church, do the work of building relationships and friendships with other people. In a couple weeks, students, they're going to, you know, be rolling in. Many of them will come to this church or join this church. Do the hard work of engaging with students. I just did student ministry for two years. I know students can be flaky. 
there's tangent. They're here for four years, and then oftentimes they're gone. And so it can feel like, ah, what's the point? But students are hungry for relationship. They're hungry for discipleship. The world has all sorts of other community they can offer, and it's flashy. Sometimes it's more fun. But when students come here, man, engage with them, disciple them, pour into them, even if they're only here for four years, even if they're only here for one year, pour into students. That's my soapbox. All right, let's say you have relationships in the church. What next? How do you encourage your friends in the church? You know, there's all sorts of different ways we can do this. And I think actually we do this a lot. We encourage our friends, our family, people we know in all sorts of different ways, right? We encourage people to eat better. We encourage people to exercise. We encourage people when they're sad or down. We encourage them through breakups, things like that. We generally, I think, do a pretty good job with all of those things. You know where my encouragement toward others is lacking? It's lacking in pointing people to Jesus' name. So I want to challenge all of us, myself included. I want to challenge all of us. Let's be people who encourage others with the reality of Jesus' name. I need to do better at that. I don't know about you. Maybe you do too. Let's be a people who challenge, who encourage others with the reality of Jesus' name. It's been a joy to be here with you this morning. It's been a joy to preach to you this morning. But all good things must come to an end. We should conclude. We've seen that the second coming of Jesus and the gospel itself, but particularly that second coming of Jesus, we've seen that that is the source of encouragement. We've seen that the purpose of encouragement is to encourage other believers to live steadfast lives of holiness, worship towards Jesus. How do we practice it? Show up on Sunday mornings and encourage one another as we gather. And then we encourage one another with the reality of Jesus' second coming throughout the week. So I'll end with, once again, kind of with this challenge, with this sentence, with this statement. Christians encourage one another with the hope of the gospel. Let's be a people who do just that. This week, this month, this year, the rest of our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for the message of hope that you have given to us, that you've spoken to us in your word. Thank you for your son, for his life, his death, his resurrection, and perhaps most importantly, his return that we can look forward to with great anticipation and hope. Lord, help us to encourage one another with this reality. And may this reality be an encouragement to all of us that, that it would keep us on the rails uh, of life and, and walking with Jesus. Thank you for the branch. Thank you for the ministry of this church. Thank you for Doug. Uh, Lord, bless them this year. Lord, as they grow, may students come and, and find this uh, to be a great place of spiritual growth and discipleship. And may all those who are here uh, find, find the same, find growth and encouragement in you. Thank you so much for all of these things, all of this hope we have in Christ, and I do pray all of this in his name. Amen.